0: Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon.
1: We're joined on the Starline by New York Times best-selling author Jeffrey Salingo. His latest book, Who Gets In and Why, looks at the confusing, secretive world of college admissions. Welcome, Jeff.
0: It's great to be here. Thank you.
1: Let's go beyond the mic. For more than 20 years, you've written about colleges and universities. How did your time at Ithaca, Vanderbilt, and John Hopkins University help mold this desire to write about the institutions you spent 10 years of your life at.
0: So, one of the things that I did when I was back in the early 1990s when I was still an undergraduate, I interned at US News and World Report on their college guide and that really opened up my eyes to this world of of college rankings and how we tend to think about colleges in some sort of hierarchy. Uh, you know, largely governed by those those rankings by U.S. News and World Report. And so one of the reasons why I wanted to do this book is I wanted to look at why some students never looked up and out beyond a certain list of 10 or 12 or 15 schools and and why it's so much more difficult now to get into those schools today than it was 20 or 30 years ago.
1: Colleges and universities are using high-tech analytics and algorithms to fine-tune their pitches to students. How has this technology helped and or hurt students to get into the school they really want to? Well,
0: most schools now want to know, because applications have flooded their market, they want to know if you're going to get accepted, are you actually going to, if you're going to get accepted, are you actually going to enroll? And they do that by something they call demonstrated interest, and they're constantly tracking you. So when they send you emails, they have tracking links in them that's proc- that proc- puts cookies on your web browser. The web browser then can follow you through their site. Uh, so if you're they'll see how many times you visit and how often you stay, how long you stay and how often you're there. Uh, they can also see, you know, have you showed up to campus visits? If our admissions dean goes to your high school, do you show up for that? They're constantly tracking those things to figure out whether you're going to show up. And so that helps you if you're interested in those things and you're doing all those things, but it hurts you if you happen to still be interested in that school, but not doing all those things. And so I think it's important if somebody isn't interested in a school and they're tracking this demonstrated interest, that students actually show their interest in the school.
1: Author Jeffrey Salingo joins us beyond the mic to discuss his latest book, Who Gets In and Why. Jeff, you talk about the admissions requirement in the 1950s to get into Cal Berkeley. It was simple. Complete a set of high school courses with marks that average a B. Now it's completely different.
0: Yes. uh, You know, now it's more of a holistic system. This is what many public and private uh, selective colleges use, meaning they don't just use one or two measures. They use test scores. They use high school curriculum. They use grades. They use extracurricular activities, recommendations, essays, all these things that go into the ingredients of getting into a selective college, and you as an applicant have zero insight into what that really is. And so any given day, they could put more weight on the scale for one thing and not the other. And this is why I say in the book, college admissions is really not about the applicant. It's about the priorities of the institution that you're applying to.
1: Now, who gets into universities may not be just because of grades or financial needs, but other needs that the university might have what are those needs?
0: Yeah, so it could be, their needs could be anything in a given year and they differ by institution. So they may need more students who could pay the full price. They, if they're in the Southeast, they may need more students from Washington State or Oregon. Um, most colleges want more uh, students of color. They want more men because women outnumber men in, in higher education. They may want uh, more humanities majors and fewer STEM majors. So all of these things come into play in the admissions office every year.
1: How has the coronavirus pandemic affected college admissions?
0: The biggest impact on on admissions this year is on test optional. So uh, more than 500 colleges have done test optional, meaning they're not taking SAT or ACT scores into account. Um, and as a result, um, they uh, those schools now are going what's called test optional. Because students can't take the test, and so I think this is really critical as we think about the future of, of admissions. Because I think fewer schools are going to accept the test in the future.
1: Now, is that because the test doesn't show them what they want to see, or have we grown beyond just a testing number?
0: Right, they, they are looking at both um, high school curriculum and and grades. That's the most important thing for them. The test score, even in the year I spent in college admission admissions was something that they checked in with right that they it was it was the third piece of data that they looked at but for most colleges grades and high school curriculum are more important
1: who gets in and why is the book author jeffrey zilingo joins us beyond the mic recently celebrities were caught up in the fbi's operation varsity blues how did something so dark as pain for just to be designated as an athlete when the student wasn't get missed by college admissions officers? So
0: college athletes are actually mostly recruited by the coaches. And what happens is the coaches are recruiting the athletes. They then, when they're really interested in somebody, they send their file, meaning all their academic uh, records, over to admissions, and they say, pre-read this. Tell me if this kid has a shot of getting in. So the admissions office doesn't really question whether the kid is actually playing sports. And that's exactly what happened in Varsity Blues because they have so many roster spots to fill every year. Admissions officers, as I point out in the book, are not detectives. They're not going to go and check something out because they have so many applications to get through in a short amount of time. So that's what happens in Varsity Blues, and it still happens today in that athletes, for the most part, get a thumb on the scale if a coach really wants them, uh, if the coach really needs a third baseman. Which I saw and I point out in the book, or they need a pitcher for the team, or a tight end, or a, uh, you know whatever position it might be on a team. That's how the person gets in.
1: Now, with colleges eliminating athletic programs, how will that affect their overall student admissions?
0: Many are getting rid of them, but they're they're still getting rid. They're still keeping the ones that really drive student enrollment, and that's what we're seeing right now. They're getting rid of sports that either don't drive enrollment or are too, too costly. To operate, and many of the institutions getting rid of sports are at Division One level, right? So we're, this really matters. Many more students play sports at Division Three. They don't give out scholarships, but they get an, an admissions edge in getting in at Division Three. So that's the big difference between Division Three and Division One. When we tend to think of college athletics, we tend to think of big time sports at Division One.
1: Got to have the answer to this one. What is the secret to writing an essay that isn't just fluff that shows a college admission officer? that a student is worthy of an admit.
0: Write something that matters to you. I think that too many students are always trying to figure out what does the admissions office want. What you're really trying to show in those couple hundred words is a slice of your own life. Don't try too hard on that essay. And I think too many students do. And as a result, most college admissions officers spend very little time with the essay. It's actually kind of shocking, given how much time students spend on writing it.
1: Author Jeffrey Slingo joins us beyond the mic to discuss his book, Who Gets In and Why. Jeff, how do students focusing on academics force schools to value them and review them like they value athletes?
0: And it's hard. And again, I think this goes back to the priorities of the institution. They have to fill those spots on rosters on teams. And so if you're not an athlete, they do the same thing for musicians and debaters and things like that. There is a lot more effort put into athletic admissions than there is on admissions on other front. but everybody brings something to the table. And as I remind students in applying to college, just because a college has a 25% acceptance rate doesn't mean you in particular, you individually have a one in four chance of getting
1: it. You talk with several students throughout the book. Are you keeping in touch with them to see how their experiences in college, switching majors, financial aid difficulties, switching to online classes, have changed them and how have they changed?
0: I am staying in touch with them and, uh, and they are, uh, they're disappointed that they're, they're going online uh, for the most part, but uh, for the most part, they're still enrolled and uh, they haven't had any other difficulties since enrolling beyond the pandemic kind of upending their, their, freshman, their freshman year.
1: How has the pandemic moving classes online affected students? They're getting a similar education, but not the college experience.
0: Right, and that's exactly what's happening right now. I think that students value the the outside-the-classroom experience more than they value the the inside-the-classroom experience. And what's interesting to me right now is that when colleges are even discounting their tuition because they may not be in person, they're only discounting it by maybe 5 or 10%. And I think if you ask any student or parent out there, what are you really paying for the classroom experience versus the the outside-the-classroom experience, they're probably going to say it's more like 50-50. Uh, and so we're starting to really see what students value in their college education. And trust me, it is not what's happening in the four wall of a classroom on campus in any given year.
1: Now, you're a special advisor, professor of practice at Arizona State University. How has that opportunity changed you?
0: It's been a great opportunity for me to understand that there are a number of different types of colleges and universities out there. Arizona State is a great public, big public university with an online, you know, a huge online program as well. Uh, you know, I, in, in this book, I profile some small liberal arts colleges, right? So there there is a, a huge diversity of types of colleges in the United States. And one of the things I want to encourage students is to really look up and out and beyond the, you know, five or ten schools that you keep hearing about over and over again, because there are hundreds of great colleges out there for you.
1: Now, how can students maximize their ability to get to the right school and the most bang for their buck?
0: It's really about finding the right academic fit, the right social fit, the right financial fit. And I think too many students are really focused on the first two and they're not enough focused on the, the financial fit of college. And as I point out in the book, you really have to start to think early on about the financial fit of college. Don't wait until you're actually in to figure out how you're going to pay for college. And I think that's too often what's happening. To families.
1: Time's running out, so it's time for the Rocky 8. Eight random questions Answer with the first <laughs> thing that comes to your mind. Okay. There is no pressure. Go for it. Favorite monument in Washington, D.C.? FDR. Now, what was the other schools you looked at when you went college school hunting?
0: Syracuse and Hofstra University.
1: Now, you've written about higher education the last 20 years. What was the first story you broke when you were a young journalist?
0: Uh, when I was a young journalist in college, I broke a story about a Film professor who had plagiarized uh, one of his books.
1: Favorite movie of all time?
0: Uh, the Fugitive. Love it. I'll watch it every single time it's on.
1: Even if it's in the middle?
0: Yep. I never get sick of it.
1: My favorite line. I don't care.
0: Right. So I, I love the one, you know, look at every hen house, outhouse. That's the one I love. Tommy Lee Jones is great in that movie.
1: What was the last fight you had with your daughters?
0: Uh, getting them to eat their vegetables.
1: Favorite TV show? Creek. I was like asking this question. If you could have been anything else other than a writer or journalist, you would have liked to have been?
0: Uh, a, that's a good question. Um, no, believe it or not, I've wanted to be a journalist since I was in middle school.
1: So, what project are you going to work on now?
0: I'm taking a break. I need one.
1: <laughs> How can people find you and your book?
0: Uh, go to Jeff lingocom That's S as in Sam, E-L-I-N-G-O.com. And you can find out about this book and every other book I've written.
1: If there were three tips that you could give college students or students that are searching for a college now.
0: Well, number one, look beyond the rankings. Number two, worry about your high school grades and what you take in high school more than anything and number three enjoy the process because it's a learning process as much of it as much as it is a search for the right college
1: his favorite monument is the fdr loves to watch the fugitive and wants you to know who gets in and why author jeffrey salingo thank you for taking the time to talk with me today
0: no problem It was great to be with you have a good day
1: and that my friends is beyond the mic